even if you haven't ever been to Charleston, you've probably still had something Brooks Wrights has made. He's the founder of Jack Rudy Cocktail Company, which is widely regarded for tonic syrup used at fine bars around the country. If you've been to Charleston, then you may have likely dined or drank at one of his myriad establishments. Leon's Oyster Shop, Melfi's, Little Jack's Tavern, or Monza Pizza. He also runs a wine company called Oyster Shed. And just this week, Garden and Gun reached out to him to do a cooking show for them while we are all on lockdown. With all those irons in the fire, you'd think he'd be one of the ones rallying to get his businesses back up and running. But he's not. As of this taping, South Carolina has 7,792 confirmed cases and 346 deaths from the coronavirus. Governor Henry McMaster has given the go-ahead for gyms and salons to reopen by Monday, an announcement that was strangely timed with a jump in 140 new coronavirus cases and 15 new deaths. Sullivan's Island is already open, and Folly plans to open Friday. Up to this point, Charleston has done a pretty decent job of holding the virus at bay, with only nine deaths reported in the county. But much like what we're seeing in Asheville, a lot of those numbers are staying so low because these tourist towns aren't seeing the influx of people that they normally see. People haven't been going elsewhere to bring the virus back with them, and no one has been coming into town for the weekends tracking infections in. I'm curious to see how things will go in the coming weeks now that the state has gone full steam ahead in reopening. Just this week, Germany and France announced secondary spikes that have led to them going back on lockdown, and South Korea, long thought to be in the clear, is shutting down bars again. Japan just recently announced plans to do the same. Is this the rising of a possible second wave? From Dirty Spoon Media in Asheville, North Carolina, you're listening to Home Fried, stories to keep you informed and entertained during the coronavirus lockdown. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and today it's my conversation with Charleston food and drinks magnate and all-around nice guy, Brooks Wrights. Like the rest of the country, we were hit with a wholesale uh, closing uh, practically overnight. I think it was March 16th that we um, I made the rounds to all the restaurants and let the, the teams know that basically as of the morning, they were going to be without jobs. Um, mm. 250 people wow. that we laid off. And then we kind of we went into uh, went into shutdown mode. I, mean, I have a really amazing director of operations who kind of um, made sure that uh, our teams were shutting down the restaurants properly and cleaning and you know, getting rid of product. Uh, you know, we had to just kind of go into this mode of going from four busy restaurants to being um empty and so we had you know food that we had to give away to our teams we had to you know break down certain uh equipment and kind of go dark um, all the while starting to navigate how we would uh, exist on the other side and so you know and so fast forward now two months later we are we've reopened for takeout uh, and we've actually put our four restaurants under one roof in an effort to mitigate the number of folks that we need and uh, and be as safe as possible. Yeah. And 
we can we can reopen for dining on the patio as well as uh inside but we're waiting um we just want to be really cautious i'm not entirely sure it's prudent to reopen right now even though we can right um so you know it's been it's been crazy it's really been crazy and and uh you know i have been personally i've been very lucky because my um my other business, Jack Rudy, has uh, has seen a a great growth um, mm-hmm. to during this time, just with uh, everyone ordering online and everybody's got to make their own fancy it. cocktails now. You know, <laughs> they can't they can't go out precisely, <laughs> precisely. So I've been kind of, while the restaurants kind of uh, disappeared overnight. I've been busy because we've you know because we've been growing and and we had some new products in the pipeline that we were using this time to finalize and those are not far away. So, um, and then I have a newborn baby. And so my time has really been actually quite nice, um, spending time with him and my wife and being able to really focus and slow down. Yeah. I'll say that'll, that'll keep you busy. (laughs) Absolutely. Up early keeping hours that you never would have imagined a restaurant <laughs> to keep. right up at 6 30 and in bed by 9 30 oh my god so you're getting ready to have lunch here you know 8 30 in the morning lunch <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> exactly yeah yeah i noticed you guys had had reopened your restaurants for takeout on the 23rd and then you were closed again by the 27th of march um, just tried a little short stint there, said that you were closing again for safety. I wonder if you could talk through that decision and that, that first soft reopening, you know? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, well, you know, right now here, the good news is we're operating right now with PPP money, which means that even if we don't do any business, we're not really losing any money. So effectively it's an opportunity to, workshop our to-go business and bring some people back without actually using our money. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, before uh, we, you know, we wanted to retain all of our key management positions and we felt like the best way to do that would be to generate enough revenue via to-go sales to at least break even with their salaries and it was actually quite a success we were very busy but the the the, the you know the um covid was just kind of hitting america we were just learning about it the information was changing daily and i had the sense that several of the folks who were working who were managers were uncomfortable being there yeah. uh, because we didn't have any, we didn't have any information you know we were just trying our best with what little information we had right. very scary time if you remember that all you know as it was starting to hit the united states oh yeah and so you know so in the beginning we just said hey if anyone isn't comfortable coming to work you don't have to um and we had some team members who weren't. We continued to pay them. Um, but after a few days, uh, you know, I'll say even personally, I with a new baby at home, I didn't feel comfortable going in. Totally. And so, you know, so we, we had a conversation and, and it was really like, if I'm not comfortable, 
and others aren't comfortable. Why are we doing this? You know, so let's uh, let's close down. Let's furlough the rest of the team, allow them to get the unemployment benefits that are um, that, you know, that had grown. Um, so they were good, good benefits. And um, yeah, we just decided to go dark and see what happened over the next month or two. And I'm glad we did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder, too, like how, you know, being a new father has to affect the way you approach all of this because i'm sure that it takes the business from being the first priority to to something else you know yeah absolutely well i'm certainly not as cavalier as maybe i, I once was um i'm yeah. more uh much more careful and uh and safe and i'm wearing masks uh, when we go out in public we've been quarantining so um i have gone to the grocery my wife has not been anywhere in public. I mean, we go on walks and we'll go for jobs, but um, we took, we've taken it pretty serious. Um, I mean, I have, I mean, imagine, you know, my, my son's uh, grandparents haven't even been able to, my, well, my, my parents haven't even been able to see him since yeah. uh, he was about three weeks old. It's oh, wow. four months now. And, uh, and his other grandmother who lives here, she'll come over, but she sits about 10 feet away. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been, it's been hard, really hard, but, uh, you know, there are silver linings to this whole situation. Um, for, for me having the extra time to spend with him, uh, I'm feeling creatively more stimulated than I have in years mm-hmm. and I'm full of some uh, new ideas and, um, I'm really kind of focusing on those things. And so, trying to make the best of a scary situation that's scary for, for everyone. Yeah, for sure. I wonder, I mean, I know you guys are taking this very seriously and, and are, and are, you know, handling proper social distancing and all that and, and quarantining. What are you seeing in the rest of Charleston? How is the rest of the city responding to this? I know beaches are about, or Sullivan's Island already opened up. I think Folly's opening Friday. Um, you know, spas and and salons are opening back up it seems like the the governor's saying hey we're ready to go i mean but it sounds like you guys aren't aren't quite on the same page (laughs) well no i think if you're seeing i think you're seeing all kinds of reactions um to reopening i think some people are you know look i want to be in a position to learn from the mistakes that others are making and I am of the belief that the majority of our customers want to be in a safe, cautious environment. And so I think, I think some of our customers are not going to come out to eat under any circumstance until there's a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I can't blame them. I'm not interested in going out to eat. Um, and so we're just going really slow. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to uh, be the first ones out there reopening. We want to see how consumers are acting. We want to see if people are taking it serious or if they're, you know, uh, out there partying or what. So um, I think you're seeing all kinds of reactions. And I, I can only tell you that 
we're doing what we feel is best for us. And I certainly can't speak for or yeah. judge any other businesses for their um, decision making. You know, some people are just in different circumstances. So we've just felt like for our businesses, we have um, we have great businesses and our uh, MO has always been to be methodical and careful and that's what we're going to be in this in this circumstance before we open our doors to any uh to any diners. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's just I can't imagine having that kind of responsibility on my head, you know, of knowing that it's not just the safety of your staff but also the safety of your clientele. And uh Absolutely. Just, yeah, that's just a heavy thing to be to be burdened with, you know. Um, do you, looking forward, like, I mean, this could last until we get a vaccine, which could be a year from now. Um, do you, Certainly. yeah. What are how are you thinking long-term in that regard? Cause I mean, you've got four restaurants, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. a lot to, that's a lot to be trying to keep afloat. Yeah. Well, we're, I mean, frankly speaking, we are looking at the next year as a break-even proposition. I don't anticipate being profitable. Um, that's a sobering reality. Yeah. But uh, you know, but we are we've signed good leases. In some cases, we own the real estate. We have great. Um, you know, our businesses are set up to be able to thrive in under normal conditions. And so therefore under, under tough conditions, we're still able to survive. So, um, I, I don't anticipate, um, you know, making any profit for, for probably, you know, a year or so, mm-hmm. but we do think we can, we can break even, we can employ our staff, we can run a safe business, we can welcome back fans of what we do, we can rethink a few of our, um, you know, a few of the ways we do business or, um, you know, for example, at Melfi's, which is, a, you know, our highest end restaurant, we never even offered takeout, yeah. but but you know, this is, this is forcing us to think, okay, you know, what might need to change now and what may need to change for the long term at, at each business to enable us to be the most successful business we can be. And I guess we're, I wish I had an answer uh, exactly, but we're kind of taking it day by day since we have no idea what there we have no you know experience that we can compare it to um so all we can do is just debate amongst the owners and weigh all options and and use our business sense and intuition to um to do what we think is best and then cross our fingers and hope it works <laughs> right for sure how how have you guys been tr- staying sane in quarantine what's been what's been keeping you keeping you afloat um well working on um working on jack rudy cocktail company which is uh my mixer cocktail mixer company we're rolling out some new products so we've been uh testing finalizing all of those so our margarita mix should be out at the end of the month and our bloody mary not far behind that nice. as well as an olive brine for dirty martinis so all uh, working through those products um and then I started a cooking show on Instagram television. Yeah, I've been IGTV. following that. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, at this point, I think I've got something like 33 episodes and, uh, and have, that's gained a lot of momentum starting on Friday. I'm, I'm, um, going to be rolling out a weekly, uh, sort of, I guess, show for garden and gun, um, which is the magazine based, based here in Charleston. Yeah. So, uh, that will, that'll be fun. And, and I've always had a good relationship with them and that will help expand that reach a little bit. So, um, yeah, is it going to be know, the same type I of thing? That's just the, the cooking biggest at home? Thing is, is that gardening cooking gun? at home? Perhaps. Not, yeah, exactly. And, um, <laughs> you know, probably some more cocktail stuff as well, but as well as cooking seasonally or with Southern kind of pantry staples, yeah. um, which is, I think going to be exciting. And so, uh, and, and I've had some other folks reach out, express interest in some different things so that it's funny cause it started just as a fun little thing, but all this, it kind of quickly gained some momentum. So, um, I've been really enjoying doing that and I'm going to continue to do that. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've, I am, and always have been into physical fitness. And so I've, I'm, um, just using this time to improve my, my running and, and, uh, my training, which has been some, and I think frankly, nothing keeps me saner than, uh, you know, than, than exercise and getting out and getting a great sweat. So I'm doing that every day. Um, and then just spending the quality time with my family, going on walks, playing with our son, uh, and, and, you know, sinking into the little routine that we've got and um with all that it's honestly been (laughs) i hate to say it has been really enjoyable (laughs) right i mean that's what for me i was i'm one of those people that you know i've always worked from home or ever since i left the restaurant industry i've worked from home and and been writing about food and so i'm like well i was broke so i never went out anyway <laughs> so really this is just kind yeah. of it's the same difference except everyone i needed to talk to is way less busy <laughs> exactly you can zoom at any time of the day now <laughs> right. right yeah um so when's the uh when's the garden and gun series starting what's uh when's the timeline looking like for that that starts friday Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. And that'll be, uh, every Friday, um, every Friday until the end of time. Nice. That's that's, no, I don't know how long it'll go on. We'll see what they re. (laughs) I did. I did a one-off video for them, uh, last week for mother's day and it performed really well. And so they, um, asked me to, to make it more consistent. Um, and so that's, that's really cool because I've, you know, they have a great reach and a very passionate audience. So, um, yeah. And so that'll be fun. And it's all just quality stuff that they put out too. Like it's, it's such a great publication, but, uh, yeah, that'll be, absolutely. That'll be fun to watch. I'm, I'm glad you're doing that. Any recipes that you have stood out to you that you think people ought to, ought to jump on your Instagram line and, and try. <laughs> um, Sorry, hang on one second. Oh, There's someone can. at the door. Let me grab my wife. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Hey, sweetheart. There's someone who's knocking at the door. I'm not sure who it is. This is real life here. <laughs> it's all good. Dog it's, barking, baby crying, door knocking. That's the way it's all been. <laughs> Jonathan, lately. tell me, what, what did you ask? I, I was just asking you if there's uh, any recipes that stood out that you guys have made um, in your in your cooking show that you think people ought to try out. 
Oh, yeah. Well, um, let's see. Today I'm posting a celery root remoulade. I'm trying to take – so we eat very vegetable heavy here at the house. Yeah. And um, and that's always been something that my uh, my friends have appreciated about my cooking is, you know, that it's kind of healthy but still very satisfying. And so yeah. what I've been trying to do is take, take vegetables that maybe have uh, mystified people you know, and I use my wife as a test case because she um, loves to eat my food, but she's not a huge cook. She can cook, but she, I, I do most of the cooking. And so if it's a vegetable that she's always been like, gosh, I, I love to eat that vegetable, but I'm not sure how to use it, then that's kind of, I use that as my, my launching point. So things like celery root, beets, eggplant, um, yeah. fennel, you know, nothing too exotic, but, but you know, if, if you think about it, I, I, I've always, I think something that we've has, has been successful formula for me with the restaurants, with Jack Rudy and with everything I do is being realistic about who is the audience and what is going on in their lives. Right. So what I mean by that is, you know, in a restaurant, I'm, I am in the center of the food world. So it's very easy. It would be very easy for me to sort of do something that's catered toward my peers who also know a lot about food. Right. But in reality, my customers are normal people. They have kids, they have jobs, they have things happening in their life. So I realized very early on that things need to be, um, and I mean this in a good way, things need to be simpler because we take, we take for granted what we know in the food business, you know, so I might, Put, I might put a pasta on the menu, for example, that's stroza preti. No one is going to know what stroza preti is. No normal person, <laughs> right? Right. So, you know, so if, for example, at Melfi's, if we do something like that or, um, you know, any other kind of pasta, we have little illustrations that show you what the noodle is. Because my, what I always tell my team is like, you can't expect for normal customers that have their own lives and their own um, ups and downs and issues to be as knowledgeable about food as you are. And so you can't kind of throw it in their face as if you expect them to just catch up with you immediately. And so <laughs> right. I'm you always don't, sort you of don't like, want them busting out a phone and Googling things over your menu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I hate it when I, because to me that feels like there's a lot of pretense and I don't like that. Um, even I, you know, some I've worked in food since I could work legally from 16, I've worked in restaurants and, and worked mm. in and around food. And I'll go to restaurants sometimes and my wife will say, what is this thing? Or, you know, and I'll say, honestly, I have no fucking clue. Um, and, am I, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, if I don't know what it is and I've been doing this for 20 years, then probably the normal average consumer is going to be completely baffled. So I always start at a place and this is with these cooking videos, with my restaurants, with Jack Rudy of like, how would a normal person not working in the food business reacts to this dish, to this cocktail, to this glass of wine. And if it's going to make them feel like they are stupid or they're too embarrassed to ask about it, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's interesting that you say that because one of my favorite things about the first time I went to Leon's right when you guys opened, I went down there and I had been complaining because I'm, I'm based in Asheville and I'd been complaining that when you eat 
quote unquote Southern food in Asheville, it is not like the food I grew up eating. Uh-huh. And and then going to Leon's, it was like I remember you guys had like a, a um some kind of tomato salad and like a, a really fresh uh hop and john like cold hop and john salad on the menu. Right. And I just I remember getting those things and being like, Yes, like this is what I this is what my grandmother used to make, you know, this type Absolutely. of like fresh veggies, like everything straight out of the garden, kinda, you know, cold salad totally. dishes that I was just like, Man, I can't find this anywhere else in the South. And uh yeah, that's that's interesting that that's your approach there because it, it totally it totally reads that way. It's pretty it's approachable, it's, it's familiar, it's comfortable. Yeah. I think in the food business there is this desire to like fuss everything up too much mm-hmm. you know and and the, the example like i guess another example of of just that simplification which is you know what i love is you know we for example we had a wine on the menu at leon's at one point and it was a um white wine from the canary islands and i can't recall mm. the grape but it was a grape I had never heard of. And I, you know, again, I'd been working in the business for 20 years and I knew I, you know, so we, we put that wine on the menu and we listed it as the grape, which again, I can't even recall. Cause it's not a, it's not a grape you would have heard of unless you were somehow had right. studied the wines of the Canary Islands and we sold none of it, right. but I loved the wine. It was delicious. And I knew people, if they tried it, they would love it. So we had it on for a couple of weeks and the general manager came to me and was like, look, we're just not selling this wine. I know you thought it was delicious, but no one's ordering it. And I said, change on the wine list instead of listing what the grape is, which is the, the you know, the accepted, um, the accepted way of doing things is that that's how you list yeah. wines on a wine menu. And I said, don't list the grape, make sure the staff knows the name of the grape in case someone asks and list it instead as incredibly delicious white wine. <laughs> and, and we changed that. And I'm not lying. It became the best selling <laughs> wine by the glass. And that was an important lesson my general manager took. He's still with us and he's moved to Melfi's, but you know, is that you have to sometimes demystify things, even if it's uh, not the way that the traditional restaurant playbook tells you, you have to do it. Yeah. You need to you need to make it digestible for people because we're not in, and it, there's a difference between that and dumbing things down. We're not dumbing things down, but we're trying to make a, a space where people can discover new things that they're going to love and make it uh, make it accessible. And so I think that's the blueprint of, of frankly, everything that I do and have done um, is that level of accessibility. Right. It's not cutting corners. It's just make naming something something approachable yeah exactly and just maybe stripping away some of the pretense that can accompany food sometimes and just making it all about look it tastes great come in be with friends have a good time you don't need to wring your hands around you know whether or not you're uh you know how to pronounce the name of this grape just know that it's delicious and we're happy to have you here. And now we're going to turn the music up and have a great time, you know? Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's kind of, that's how I like to entertain at home. And so that's how we think about the way we host at the restaurants. Yeah, for sure. 
you're able to still do what you love to do that way without compromising the integrity of your product, but then you also don't have to come across like a dick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's, that's brilliant. Um, I'm also wondering how this is affecting your wine business, this whole crisis. Cause you've got the, you've got, um, but yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> oyster shed. Yes. Oyster shed. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. I know that this is well, currently it's ground to a halt. Yeah. Uh, um, which is, just, you know, so we're not entirely sure if we're going to do a, a vintage this year or not. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, so, you know, most of that wine moved through restaurants. It didn't have a big retail presence. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, it's not going away and that's, that's a, that's a, you know, it's a very much a labor of love, but, um, it still had, you know, we, we're the intention there is that we'll be adding a red and a sparkling as well. And, and it's always just been a little fun, little side project. Um, you know, frankly, it was an excuse to go to, go to France and blend a rosé with a friend of mine <laughs> right? and, um, and to sell enough wine to pay for that trip. <laughs> um, but, but right now it's on, it's kind of on hold for the, for the moment, but, um, certainly it's not, not dead. Yeah. I, I was just thinking, I mean, I, I work part-time as a distributor and I'm shocked at how the wine sales have just dropped off all over the board. You know, people are buying a lot of boxed wine, but they're not, they're not springing for those interesting, fun things that they might get at a restaurant and then go to their wine shop and ask if they have it, you know? And I think it's just really affecting that market in a really totally. interesting I mean, way. Charleston's lucky uh, in that I think there are a lot of great, you know, there are a lot of great smart consumers here and we have some really great wine shops. And and actually there's one around the corner from my house is, you know, one of the best ones in town called Monarch. And um, he actually, uh, at least very early on in this process, he was uh, doing better because consumers were, or you know, were stocking up on wine from him since they weren't getting it in restaurants, and they were apprising themselves of his delivery services. So, um, you know, I've I've ordered several cases from him throughout this whole process, and um, you know, so I, I think for the wine makers, definitely they're selling less, but the wine stores seem to have. Um, been be doing uh, just as good, if not better, than they were before. <laughs> right. Well, no one can drink out, so they got to drink in. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess. Uh... Damn straight. <laughs> you know, we never drank at home, and now every day at four o'clock. <laughs> your your own personal happy hour. Exactly. Yeah. I guess looking forward on all this, like, are you? optimistic are you nervous are you scared like what's the you you you've always seemed to be a pretty even keel person but this is a pretty daunting situation we're looking at and i wonder what your what your just your mindset and your your heart's looking like yeah i'm very optimistic um you know, maybe not for the restaurant business as a whole because i think a lot of operators were um scraping by but our businesses we've always been very um we've been been very strict financially we've been smart um our businesses have been profitable 
and they've been really good businesses. And so we're in a position to, um, you know, we're in a great position because we signed good leases. We have um, good deals for ourselves. You know, the real estate where, where we are is we were there first. And, and so we were, you know, signing leases when no one else was there. And so because of that, we've equipped ourselves, you know, put ourselves in a position to thrive and survive. So I'm very optimistic. I'm, I'm also excited about, um, you know, how, how this experience will change not only myself and, and so others. And I think just, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think it's exciting to think about um, the ways uh, in which this will change businesses and the new types of businesses that might come out of this, um, this whole experience. And so I am, you know, my my tune could change in a month, <laughs> right? Uh, but right now, I'm I'm feeling really hopeful about the future. Um, certainly, you know, I I hope that we can return to normal. I hope that there's a vaccine um, as soon as possible. You know, mm. and uh, you know, not notwithstanding, of course, the you know the um, just the terrible nature of what's happening and the deaths and and that's all understood. Um, but thinking about a future in which there's a vaccine and we can go out again and things turn to, to normal, I'm very hopeful. Good. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I know you've got so many irons in the fire and, uh, I, I really appreciate you clearing out this time because, we're just trying to get updates from people all over the country and see how they're doing and, and see how they're they're holding in there. And uh, it sounds like you guys are doing great. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been doing our best. Yeah. It's been a pleasure to uh, to, to speak with you, Jonathan. And, and thanks for reaching out and for having me on the show. Brooks Wrights is the founder of the Jack Rudy Cocktail Company and the owner and operator of Leon's Oyster Shop, Little Jack's Tavern, Monza Pizza, and Melfi's. You can catch his cooking show starting tomorrow at Garden and Gun or follow him on Instagram at Brooks Writes. Home Fried is a production of Dirty Spoon Media. I'm Jonathan Ammons and I'm the editor-in-chief. I produce the show and I write and record our interstitial music. Catherine Campbell is our editor-at-large, manages our website and marketing, and keeps the gears turning around here. To catch the latest episode of the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour, be sure to tune in to 103.7 WPVM the first Friday of every month at 5 p.m. You can also catch up on back episodes of the show, stream any of our podcasts, check out our artwork from our contributing artists, or support us through our Patreon at our webpage, dirty-spoon.com. We'll be back with new episodes of Home Fried every Tuesday and Thursday, with occasional episodes on Saturdays. To subscribe, just look for the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Always bringing you stories from the people who shape what we consume on the Dirty Spoon. <laughs>